Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. He's good. I wanna, I'm actually going to speak to you this morning about prayer, and I'm going to get into that in just a minute. Um, but So there was, there was the message that Pastor preached, I just know it hit home with a lot of people, and it hit home with me, and, and I just feel that's where the Lord is leading us this morning as well. Amen. But let me read uh, to you a few funnies that I found this morning. There was a teacher who asked a little boy, his name was Johnny, and I guess in all these stories his name's Johnny. But he says, Johnny, tell me frankly, do you say your prayers before you eat? And Johnny replied, he said, I don't have to because my mom is a good cook. (laughs) So shout out to all the moms that that are cooking good out there. The other ones of you that have to pray, we'll just pray, pray an extra blessing over that meal. Amen? I found another one. I know this is going to bless you this morning. A co-worker asked a friend why he got donuts if he is trying to diet. And he said, well, I came around the corner where the donut shop, and I told God if he wanted me to buy some donuts to have a parking spot in the front. And so on the eighth time around the block, there it was. <laughs> Can somebody praise the Lord for that? That's just like us, isn't it? God didn't tell you to have it, but on the eighth time around the block, you made sure that it was there, right? I got one more. Hopefully this will bless your heart, and then we'll get into the word this morning. The story is told of a king who was in his throne room, and he was holding counsel with some of his advisors, his noblemen, and his high ministers of the state. And suddenly there was a bang and there was a clatter at the door of the, of the throne room. And all the eyes turned as the door burst open. And there was a young boy who ran into the room. And so one of the king's royal guardsmen, he tried to stop the boy. He said, hold on there, son, hold on. He said, don't you know that you're disturbing the counsel of the king? He goes, he's your king, laughed the boy, but he's my daddy. And the boy bounced into the open arms of his father, the king. Did you know that as a child of God, as a child of the king, you outrank anything, any nobleman, any advisor, any minister, ambassador, or dignitary. That is the position that you have with God. That is the access, church, that you have into his throne room. Could somebody say amen this morning? As children of God, he has given us access to jump on the Father's lap. He's given you access, church, to to fully just immerse yourself in the Lord. This is what a relationship with Jesus looks like in prayer. Amen? How many of you want a move of God this morning? How many of you want a move of God in our city? How many of you want a move of God in our nation? You want to see God move in your life, in your family? How many of you know that God has the power, church, to transform, to restore, to bless, to heal, to revive your homes, this family, and this land? Amen? Amen. God can do it all, church. God can do it all, but he's given us a key, an access point, church, to where which we are supposed to meet with him. And that place is called the throne room. That is called the secret place. He's given us access, church, into his chambers. He's given us access into this place, church, where when we pray, when we open our mouth, when we open our hearts to to speak to this king, church, he's listening. 
That when you bow your knee and you say, Father God, I need you today. He listens, church. He listens. The Bible says that his ear is inclined to his people. That when one of his children cries out to him, it could be a, a cry of desperation. It could be a cry of joy and happiness. But when one of his children cries out to him, he listens, church. Maybe somebody in this place had parents that didn't listen. Maybe some of you had parents that always just kind of never paid much attention. Never thought to care about the aspirations that you had in your life. Never thought to, to give you the attention that you deserve. Never thought to, you know, just, you know, pay attention when you said, Dad, look at me. Mom, look at me. Look at my report card. Look at the, the grade that I got. Look at the, the goal that I scored. Look at the touchdown that I scored. See, maybe some of you didn't live in a home where you were given this attention. But I want you to know that when you asked Jesus Christ into your heart, when you made a covenant with this king, you have his full attention, church, when you call upon him. Right now, you said you wanted a move of God. Right now, you said you wanted the Lord to, to move in your land, to, for the Lord to move in your home, to, for the Lord to restore things in your life. Maybe somebody is broken, you're weary, there's, there's some kind of heaviness on your life today. Then listen, church, pray. 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 Don't simply worry and fret about it. Don't simply be, you know, upset at the situation. Don't be accusational against God or bitter towards God for the things that are happening in your life. Pray. 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 Second Chronicles 7.14, we all know the verse. If my people, who are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways... What does he say? Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. You say, but Pastor Duke, you know, I prayed about this or I prayed about that. No, 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 no. You have not because you ask not. How many of you know that there's levels to prayer? There's levels into this chamber of the king. There's room after room. There's, there's the asking, the seeking, the knocking. And there's, there's different levels into this place of intimacy with the Lord. This place of communion with the Lord. And in that place, church, it, it is a parent and child relationship. You can sit on his lap. You can, you can cry. You can weep. You can be frustrated. You can be bitter. All those things. But he welcomes you still into that place. How many of you have ever prayed at night and you've fallen asleep? Raise your hand. Come on, everybody admit it. The disciples did it. I know you've done it too. <laughs> you know that the Lord never gets mad when one of his children falls asleep on his chest. You know that this God is never, never angry, church, that he's frustrated that you didn't. Pray long enough. It's because he hears your heart, church. 
Sometimes the words aren't enough. And the Bible even says in the book of Romans that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groans. Only understood by this Father in Heaven church. When you don't know what to pray, the Lord still knows your heart. And the life that Christ modeled for us, church, he, he did it in such a perfect way. He showed us what a life connected to him, connected to his father could look like. He showed that it could be a life that was so full of power, so full of authority, so full of dominion over everything that the, that the world would throw his way. How many of you believe in the authority of God? Amen. But how many of you believe that the very spirit of the resurrected Christ lives inside of you too? Amen? Amen. That means that we carry the very same authority that Jesus himself had. That's what the word says. He said, everything I have, I've made known to you. All authority in, under heaven and under earth has been given to Jesus. And because you've said yes to Jesus, you have this same power in your life. That is, you reign with Jesus in life. Christ showed what a life surrendered to the voice of the Heavenly Father looked like. And because Christ knew what it was like to have a relationship with this Father through prayer, he knew firsthand, church, how to teach us about prayer. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6, if you have your Bibles, you can open up there and you can just... Highlight these verses this morning. Matthew 6 and 6 says, But when you pray, everybody say, when I pray. You see, you need to pray. You need to pray. He says, so when you pray, this doesn't happen outside of prayer, but it happens inside of prayer. He says, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We can pray here. But it's actually a move of faith when you pray when no one else is looking. It's a move of faith when you actually pray when nobody else is there to witness it. I believe that it moves the heart of God because he sees that you're, you mean something. You're a little bit serious about this thing. So you're taking time out of your day, out of your life, out of your schedule to, to get on your knees before the Lord and say, God, this means something to me. But in that process, church, of when we pray, you are engaged by a Father in heaven. You are engaged by the one church who has established creation. You are engaged in that moment with the one who has formed you before you were in your mother's womb, who called you into existence. I want us to understand the gravity of who it is that we're speaking to, church. The Bible says that in him all things hold together. If your world is falling apart, then get in him. Get in prayer because all things will hold together when you pray, church. All things will come back into their perfect order when we pray, church. But in this verse, it says that it's the heart of God to reward us. It's the heart of God that, that, is the, that he's elated when you have come to, to take time, to bow your knee, to, to get into his presence. It's the heart of him to reward you, church. That's not why we pray. That's just an added bonus. We should pray to encounter the living God. Amen? 
I said something last week when I was able to share the announcements after pastor preached. And I said, listen, it's in the posture of prayer, church, that we are changed into the one of whom we are praying to. If you come out of the prayer closet acting like yourself, then you probably didn't really pray. If you come out of the prayer closet, if you come out of that place of communion with the Lord, and you come out the same way that you went in, then you didn't really engage with the Father. Because when you have gotten into that place, church, you come out changed and transformed forever to the glory of God. So when Jesus took time to get up on that mountain, when he took time to separate himself from people, it's because every single time he came back from that place of prayer, church, he was anointed with power from on high. And all of a sudden he was positioned, he was prepared, he was established in the Lord. This is what happens when you pray, church. A.B., can you open this for me? Everybody give a hand for A.B. real quick. Thank you, buddy. Now I'm ready to preach. Okay, thank you. All right. But I want us to notice something. Hebrews 11 and 6, you guys know these verses. And without faith, everyone say without faith. It is impossible to please God. Ooh. Impossible to please God. If you don't use this faith, if you don't engage with the Lord in prayer, it is impossible to please Him. There is not enough good works that you and I could do. There is not enough charity things that you could do. There's not enough time in service that you could do to please God if you are not moving towards the Lord in faith, if you are not closing your eyes and praying to this one who is unseen. There's not enough church services that you could attend. There's not enough people that you could pray for outside of the church that would ever earn the pleasure of God, that you would please the heart of God unless we move in faith, church. How many of you have faith this morning? Amen. Amen. How many of you believe and trust in him? It said it is impossible to please him because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. That is when you engage in that moment, you're not just praying to the air, you're not just hoping God's going to hear something. You must believe that he exists. You must believe that the one that you are speaking to is attentive to your cry. He's listening to that which you are telling him. So it's not just like, oh, God, I hope you're out there, you know. Zero belief in your heart. Yeah, well, you know, I hope, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't know. They told me to pray for something. But you believe there's a confidence in your heart, church. There's a confidence in your life that you are 100% certain that the one you are talking to in that moment is listening to you. And it says, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Your pursuit of the Lord, your pursuing of Jesus, your pursuing of the Holy Spirit, your pursuing of the Father in prayer, church, comes with these blessings. Because you are earnestly seeking after him. You are desiring to know him more and more. You are desiring to hear from his voice. You are desiring to feel his presence. You are desiring to see his power move in your life. But I want us to notice this connection. A person that prays is proof that you have a relationship with your heavenly father. 
It is proof because prayer itself is an action of faith, church. That is, you are proving that though you do not see your heavenly Father, you know he exists. This is a move of faith. And when you said yes to Christ, this part of your life, this time in prayer in the secret place is so incredibly important and vital. If you have been living this life, you have said yes to Jesus, but you have not experienced the power of God, then church, I need to encourage you to pray. Because if you walk in this place and you walk out the same, I need you to pray. I need you to pray. I can't pray for you. I can pray over you. But my connection with God is not going to make you pray. You got to pray. You have to seek this one church that longs to know you. It not only reveals your connection to the Lord through power and authority and the rewards of prayer, but it also reveals if you are a slave or if you are a son. When you pray, church, it will distinguish you as one of the two. If you are a slave or you are a son. Slaves obey because there was an order that was given. Sons obey because they love the Father. Daughters of God obey because they love the Father. That is, they do not want to break the heart of this one that has given everything for them. And so what do they do? They pray. They want to be in constant fellowship and communion and in connection to this one who has given his son for their life. You see, there's a big difference between slaves and sons. You see, a lot of people that have confessed Christ as their Lord and Savior still live bound by religion, bound by sin, and bound by fear. Because the action without the belief that he exists, church, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him will never result in a reward. It will never result in an abundant life. If you've merely said yes to Jesus and you've said, you know what, I confess him as Lord, but I never pray. I confess him as Lord, but I've never read his word. I confess him as Lord, but I've, I've never, you know, given a full surrender to him. Then listen, I'm telling you, church, you're completely missing out. See, something more is there for you. I said something more is there for your life. The Bible says that whom the sun sets free is what? Say it, church. Is what? Man. DJ sounds free in the back. I, I don't know about the rest of you. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. That means that no stronghold of the enemy, no demonic force from the enemy, that no power in hell, church, has a grip on your life. You are completely free because Jesus Christ reigns in your heart and reigns in your life. Those who trust in Christ as their Savior are designed to be connected to this Father. I want to share a quick testimony from, uh, for, uh, for you from this past Wednesday. How many of you got to see the service this past Wednesday? Amen. Woo, 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 woo. Jesus was all over the house. All over the house. If you were here, dude, I love people that watch online. They're watching me right now, but man, it's not the same. I'm sorry, but it's just not the same. I love that you're watching I'm on camera for you in HD and all that stuff. That's, that's nice. You can see this and all that. But listen, it's not the same as when you're in the house of God. It is not the same. 
So we had three testimonies that were shared, and I believe they just tremendously impacted everyone that heard them. And at the end of the testimonies, I was just prompted by the Lord to pray for some people. And, and how many of you know that when you pray, things change? When you pray, people are set free. When you pray, something happens. And so first of all, I want to thank Pastor Thomas for praying with me. I want to thank you, Sister Melissa. Thank you. Would you just praise the Lord for these guys right here? I didn't know if Melissa had come up here to get prayed for, but she started praying with me. So, hey, I'll take it. I'll take it. But we were praying, and, and you know, we got to this, this, this beautiful young girl named Michelle. Is she here today? Is she here somewhere? Michelle, are you here? Hey, there she is. I couldn't see a girl. You're just tucked away over there in the little corner, like all shy and stuff. And I have to share this this morning because it moved my heart so, so much. When we were praying for her, the, the power of God just covered her so, so mightily. And I said, I need to talk to this girl after the service. I need to know what just happened. And I remember I, I, I walked over to her and, and she was still like trembling. And, you know, I, I could just see there was joy all over her heart, all over her life. But I could just see her trembling under the power of God. And, and I asked her, I said, Michelle, can you describe to me in your own words what you just felt? And she said these two things and it just, it just moved me. She said, I felt heat all over my body. And I said, that's the Holy Spirit. So that's the Holy Spirit. And so I wanted to just give her peace and assurance that, that you know, what she was, was feeling wasn't, you know, some crazy thing, but it was the Holy Spirit. It was the evidence of God all over her. And then she said this. The second thing she mentioned, she said she felt the embrace of a father. Now, what was so amazing to me, church, was this. She told me she didn't have her dad in her life. And it moved my heart so much. Because how could a young girl who had never felt the embrace of a father identify what a father's embrace felt like? Except through the power of the Holy Spirit, church. <laughs> Romans 8 and 15 says this. The spirit that you have received does not make you slaves. So that you live in fear again, but rather the spirit that you have received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. By him we cry, Abba, Father, church. So that means that we have been grafted in by this heavenly father. We have been grafted in by the power of the Holy Spirit, church. It does not matter what your family name is. It does not matter what your lineage is. It does not matter what your background is, what your race is. It does not matter what you have done. The moment that you say yes to Jesus, the moment that you pursue him, church, you've been grafted into the family of God. Oh, man, that's good. That's good. That is so good, church. And it says, and by the spirit of God, we cry, Abba, Father. Galatians 4 and 6 says, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, church. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. You see, when the church prays, I said, when the church prays, 
Those who were once orphaned, church, spiritually or naturally can be restored and redeemed back to their heavenly father. Can I tell you, this is why this generation is being so attacked in the realm of fathers. This is why this generation is so perverted and so lost and so twisted and so broken in every way, church, because they do not have a father. It's a fatherless generation, church. And the only way that they can be restored back to this heavenly father, the only way that they can be restored back into the fullness of who God has called them to be is if we, the church, pray, if we, the church, reach them, if we, the church, ask the Holy Spirit to touch their life. There's a lot of fear in our world. Did you know that, church? There is a lot of fear in our world. And we just read it. The spirit that you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. People and doctors and medical professionals would be telling me to wear a mask right now because I have been a asthmatic for the last 35 years of my life. Chronically. But the spirit that I have received, (laughs) he's bigger, church. I said he's bigger, church. He's bigger. What does the Bible say? 2 Timothy 1.7. How many of you know it? How many of you know it? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power, of love, And of self-control. You know what this looks like? It looks like standing in front of a giant church and not moving. It looks like standing in front of a mob of people that want to take your life and not shaking. It looks like moving forward in courage in the middle of a storm on a boat, church, and hearing the voice of the Lord. At some point, and I need to say this and I need to stress this to you this morning. At some point, church, your faith must override your fear. It sounds pretty bold there, Pastor Duke. It sounds even bolder to think that this God would resurrect you from this planet and take you to live with him for an eternity. We must get this thing right here and now if we want to see him for an eternity forever. Do you understand me this morning? Can I preach to you just a little bit? Don't get discouraged on me. Hmm. Luke 11 and 2, let's, let's move on. Luke 11 and 2, this is Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray. They had asked him, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Show us what this looks like to pray. So he says, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. He says, give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins as we, all, and, and we, as we also forgive everyone who has sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation. 
Then Jesus illustrates this. He says, suppose, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one of the inside answers, don't bother me. The door's locked and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. He said, I tell you, even though you will not get up and even though you give bread, he says, because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. He says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. You see, the heart of the father will always respond to a child that is after his heart. And in this example prayer that Jesus gave for us to follow, it wasn't necessarily a prayer church to merely recite, but it was a spiritual application that he wanted you and I to get. He needs us to understand this. And so in this prayer, he shows us that it was an invitation to worship the Lord and to reverence his name. He said, hallowed be your name. This was a move of reverence. This was a move of worship, a, a passionate that, that he would be before his God and his creator. And he says, hallowed be your name, God. I lift you up, Lord. I bring honor and reverence to your name. And he goes on in this prayer. He was asking the Lord to manifest the present reality of heaven on earth. Matthew chapter 6 uses those, that phrase, on earth, as it is in heaven. That when you pray, you ask heaven to come to earth, church. See, it can be here and now. Heaven, there's no what? There's no sickness. There's no mourning. There's no weeping. There's no, there's no shame. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation. And so he's saying, pray that when you pray, you ask the Lord to give this to you now. You ask the Lord to bring this about on earth. He's also asking for the Lord to give us daily bread. That is for him to speak to your hearts. It's not just a prayer of provision for natural bread, but it is a prayer for the Lord to speak to your heart. John 6 and 33, he says, For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. John 6 and 51, he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. You know, Jesus makes it pretty, in, uh, pretty easy for us, church. Did you know that? It's all there. We complicate this thing way too much. It's very simple. Jesus says, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give me a portion of yourself, Jesus. Speak to my heart, Jesus. When the enemy tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he said, tell these stones to become what? Bread. And Jesus responded that what? Man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He says, this bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. You see, the Lord's prayer was an invitation to the grace and the forgiveness that he so readily offers us to be extended to those who have hurt us. How many of you have ever been offended by somebody? Nobody? <laughs> All right. It hurts, doesn't it? You've been offended by somebody. Somebody's a, a hurt you. They betrayed you. They've said you know, evil things about you. They've, they've cursed your family name. He said this prayer is an invitation to the grace and forgiveness that he so readily offers you. Forgive us as we forgive those who have sinned against us. You see, he's showing us, church, how to do this thing. 
His prayer was also to show us his hand of deliverance from evil. That is that he is a God that rescues. Can somebody say amen? How many of you have ever been rescued by the Lord? Amen. And so as Jesus continues this illustration in Luke 11, uh, uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 11, he says, So which of you fathers, if your son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Now Jesus is talking in practical terms. Or if he asked for an egg, will give him a scorpion? He says, so if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? I want us to notice this this morning, church. Jesus is making the comparison not only to our earthly fathers being able to give us the material things that we ask, but when he brings up our heavenly Father, he says, how much more will he give you the Holy Spirit? You see, sometimes we come to him in prayer and we ask for things. We ask for jobs. We ask for spouses. We ask for, you know, material things. We, we say, God, I need a new pair of shoes. And, and they, that's fine. You can come to him and you can ask for the practical. You can ask for the natural. But let's, listen, here's what he always gives in return. He gives him himself. <laughs> he gives himself. Why? Because he's all you need. He is all you need. Can I illustrate this further? In Matthew chapter 6, when asked about the cares and the needs that we have in this world, Jesus instructed the people to seek first what? The kingdom of God. He was already being asked. He was saying, Lord, but what about our food and our shoes and our clothes? And and what about our, our houses, God, and our protection and all the things that we need? And he says, seek first the kingdom of God. He told them not to seek after the food, the money, the jobs, the clothes, the material things. He says, for your heavenly father knows that you need them. So he asked this question, and we must ask ourselves this this morning as well. What is the kingdom of God? Romans 14 and 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. So when you step into this throne room, church, you're not supposed to just step in to ask for the material. Oh, God, I've just come here, God, and I'm asking because I need a job. I need this. I need that. No, 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 no. We're supposed to go into there with a completely different mindset. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but it's of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, the things come, church. I said, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, the things come, church. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, the restoration of your relationships and your marriage comes, church. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, your house will be saved. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, the jobs and the finances and the provision will come. We're children, church, communicating to a father. We're children communicating to a father, and he says, I give you myself. Did you not know, church, this God that you serve has the cattle of a thousand hills? The Bible says that the earth is his footstool and everything in it belongs to him. All dominion and power. The Bible says, church, that he can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or think of. But sometimes we say, God, I just, I need an extra 20 bucks to spend on Amazon, God. <laughs> Come on, Lord, you know that pair of shoes that just went on discount, Lord. You know, you know what it is that I need. No, he says, ask for me. 
Ask for himself, church. Ask for the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's in those moments of praying that his Holy Spirit fills your heart with peace. That's what this verse is saying. The kingdom of God is of righteousness, peace, and joy. It's in those moments, church, that he washes us clean of sin. And the blood of Jesus becomes our righteousness. Our hearts turn from worry and burden to life and joy. All because one moment with the Holy Spirit, one moment with the Holy Spirit can resurrect, it can redeem, it can restore, it can revive, it can renew, and it can cause us to come to our knees in repentance, church. Have you ever had an encounter with the Holy Spirit? <laughs> One encounter with the Holy Spirit will change the, the trajectory of your life forever. This is why we pray. Dr. Curtis Hudson said, there is more that you can do after you pray, but there's nothing you can do until you pray. You want to see the power of God move. You want to see the Lord just Come and, and change and transform, church, that we must pray. Ephesians 6 and 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is why we pray. Some of you are fighting a battle of flesh with flesh when you've never been asked to fight this battle in the flesh. You've been asked to fight this battle, church, in the spirit. David killed the giant in the flesh, but he won the battle in the spirit. I'll say that one more time. David kill, killed Goliath in the flesh, but he won the battle, church, in the spirit. That is, he had a connection with his father in heaven on his knees, church, before he ever stepped foot in front of that giant. That is everything that you have walked into this building with this morning, church. Everything can be brought under the dominion of God if we would just pray because it takes just one touch of the master's hand to stop the bleeding. It takes just one touch to, or gaze from the eyes of Christ to open blind eyes. He is that powerful, church, and he is that reachable, amen? As I ask you to stand to your feet this morning, I want us to pray. And I believe... Everyone within the sound of my voice this morning, the Father has been waiting for somebody in this place. The Father has been waiting for somebody in this place. To, he's been waiting and wanting to clothe you with his power. He's been wanting to free you from the chains that you have coped with or dealt with in your life. And he's refused to stop pursuing you. In fact, the Father, this Father that I'm speaking of, he loves you so so much that he allowed his son to come to this earth to be punished for every single sinful act that we deserved. He allowed his son to take it all. His son Jesus was sinless and he was, he was perfect. He didn't deserve to be hung on a cross, yet the people had the choice to let this Jesus go. They had the choice to let Christ go or to set Barabbas, who was a murderer, free. And in this act of deliberation, they chose to kill Jesus, the innocent one. And I need to remind us this morning, church, that Barabbas represents you and I. We were the one that should have been there. 
We were the one that should have been on that cross. We were the one that should have been punished for everything that our sin deserved. And yet, Jesus took our place. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org.